0: Everyone, welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing?
1: Doing terrific, Todd. It's great to be back doing doing the show. We're pre-recording this on a on a Friday, but uh, hopefully, we'll get back to the the live stuff uh, again soon. So
0: yeah, and I'll be uh, I'll be in Hawaii next Saturday, so we'll be able to. Well, I'll be waking up early again to do the show. So. We'll see how it goes from there. But uh, anyway, welcome everyone to the podcast. And uh, of course, another busy week in the uh, in the podcasting world. Uh, I guess Rob, what's been going on with you?
1: Oh, just been working on uh, planning for events, and, and you know, podcast movements coming up pretty soon, and and uh, been been trying to plan a uh, a live onstage um, um, show of the of the new media show. So at Podcast Movement. So we have some guests that I'm trying to book on the, the, the program for us um, live on stage. So it should be pretty exciting. I, I can't really say quite yet because those folks haven't been confirmed. But uh, it's going to be some terrific guests um, joining us on stage, Todd.
0: And if, we, if we're successful getting those folks, we should have a lively discussion, I would think.
1: Yes, I would think so, too. Because the whole purpose of this um this this session was for us to have a couple folks up there that are really at the cutting edge of the podcast medium. And, uh, for, for a a group of us, it's, I I can probably say, um, the other person that's going to be joining us. Uh, I can't say the other two. So it's going to be five of us on stage. Um, but the other person that's going to be joining us is Rob Walsh. So it's going to be the, the two Robs and Todd back together again. So up, podcast movement so and then the other two folks that are going to join us are the ones that i can't quite see yet so
0: yeah um, so that's that's exciting exciting piece so we'll see if we get those folks of course we're teasing you here a little bit but yeah uh, Yeah. if they get confirmed i think you'll understand why we're kind of excited to have them on the on the live show
1: right exactly and it's going to be thursday um august 15th at, I believe 4.15 is when we, we, we start down there on the live stage. It's in the the main live stage. So it's going to be live streamed video. Um, oh, so nice. You, so you're going to be able to, um, you know, even though you're not going to the to the conference uh, by chance, you know, a lot of folks are going, but uh, you're going to be able to watch it live.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, yeah. everyone set your calendar dates now and then we'll, We'll have that uh, prepped and ready for you, and we'll we'll talk about it more as we're getting closer oh, sure. to uh, the time frame here. But uh, other than that, I've just been, you know, I kind of watching the space and seeing the announcements. I actually saw we got an e actually got an email that was forwarded to us from um that Dan Benjamin had sent out from Fireside talking about right. about stats and. It looked to me like Dan was coming around to the i b stuff, yeah I think
1: he's he's i think he's realizing that there's a there's a movement afoot right um change is happening in the space um but but yet i think i I also sensed a little bit of a reluctance on his part as well, so I don't know if you sensed that as well,
0: yeah, and it it was like it was almost he was hedging a little bit, but i don't again i don't want to read too much into it right um from what I saw, but it definitely appears to me that there is um there's movement over there there's change, so maybe you yep. know maybe daniel's report uh <coughs> excuse me kicked him off center a little bit right so I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, exactly, and uh, and like we've said before on the show, I think we need to be supportive of um, all these platforms, um, really kind of jumping on board and making changes, right? That may be painful um, to to support the IAB V two specifications. I mean, it's it's a big commitment. I mean, Todd, you of anybody knows what kind of a what kind of a commitment it is to to adhere to the certifications um, standards that the IEB has established here.
0: Well, I I think that um you know, trying to get within standard is one thing, but then going through the certification process right. is a completely it, different beast.
1: Right. Right. It actually forces you to be entirely accountable. Um yeah. to to making sure that um that things are are adhered to. And that's not to say that it's a it's a perfect process. and, and I think I think uh, Daniel's data kind of exposed maybe a few little um, glitches in the uh, in in some of the certification process as well. So um, so hopefully we can we can you know each time this gets done it hopefully gets better and and, and improves and and over time you know that I'm sure that specification is going to evolve. Todd, what do you think? You think it's going to continue to improve? I I know that the committee isn't meeting anymore to talk about it anymore, but are you sensing that the the standard or the specs are going to be updated uh, or, or or are we just locked into what we have now?
0: I think there's a desire by several of us to clean up some ambi- uh, ambiguities in the spec. Right. Um, there's some places in the spec with some simple changing of a couple of sentences would close some holes, some loopholes that are there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. That have given, in my in what I feel, a few companies some some leeway to, um, you know, interpret uh, interpret interpreted you know the spec a a little differently. So I guess we'll see um, whether or not that happens. I know there's at least two of us that want to see those changes, but I don't know if anybody else is really on board to make it another update. But I think time will tell, and I think. What's really probably happening now is the tech lab is probably slammed trying to get these certifications through because I know that I just heard Simplecast might be going through certification. At least that was a um, mm. indication made on Facebook. And if that's the case, that's uh, that's a new entrant to the certification. Right. Um, have you heard where you guys are at or?
1: Yeah, we're 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 within you know, let's maybe a, a, a month or so, um, maybe shorter of being 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 certified. So I, wow. I'm talking about uh, Lipson. So it's yeah. coming coming quickly uh, is is what I can say. I mean, you never know <laughs> when you cross the finish line on that, but uh, mm-hmm. but. But I think we're very, very close in the process, so we're and think, we're excited to to have it behind yeah, us. I'm, I'm
0: yeah, I'm sure you are. And, you know, right. and I think it goes back to the exact. Um, you know, it took we were there. Were only two of us going through at the time, and it took us what five months. Um, right. You know, of yeah. back and forth, and hundreds of questions being answered, and stuff being reviewed, and yeah, uh, and, you know, another person that hasn't. Cross the finish Ideas, pie track too so they're they're still in work so it makes you go hmm just a little bit right right
1: well I went through through it to the finish line with the spreaker so I mean it, it was definitely a you know a long process it took you know five months or so so it takes yep. time to, to to get it done and because there's a lot of back and forth that happens there has there's a lot of code review there's a lot of uh, meetings that have to get set up and, and, and sharing of data and things like that. So it just, you know, people are busy, you know, and, and it doesn't always happen, you know, right away. So yeah. this this process can get extended because there's other things that um, we're all working on, right? Not just right, that. Right, right.
0: Mean, yeah. 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 And it can be a time suck. I mean, for us, we were, you know, we dedicated to talking, we've talked about it before. We dedicated a huge number of man hours to get through it. And it set set my dev schedule backwards because of the, you know, the process. So I, you know, I just hope people appreciate it. I, I don't know if they do or don't, maybe they don't care.
1: Well, I think it only really appeals or is, is relevant to a certain subset of the podcast community. That's really, I guess, worried about advertising. You know, I think most podcasters, you know, I think most podcasters care because they would like to have, you know, numbers, but, but I think one of the things with some of the platforms is that that means that some of the numbers are going to go down, you know? So it's, it's definitely a painful process for a lot of people, as, as you know, Todd. So it's not something that everybody's like, uh, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. You know, this is, this, um, is gonna, can have a negative impact on people's perceptions of their shows. Uh, so it's not exactly, uh, always a, a, you know, a, a positive thing. So,
0: yeah, um, that was, right. that was part of the commentary in the Facebook posts I saw was someone was freaking out because their numbers had dropped like a rock. So, right. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, you know. we're all excited, you know, you and I and other folks in the, in the medium are excited because this is something that we've all been working on for like the last five years. And, and it's nice to actually have it, you know, happen, you know, reach yeah. the finish line. All right.
0: Yeah. So, you know, and I guess I've seen some announcements here too where um we actually had an interesting um dialogue between you know my history going back with Castbox a little bit. Um mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I was the one that kind of dropped the nuclear bomb on them about their their RSS speeds that it right. were publicly available and Right. We had a good round of discussions back and forth with them, and uh, you know that was just about a year ago. And um, so, the writing team at uh, PodcasterNews dot com is um, is funded by me. I don't write any of the articles. It's all they all do it independently. There's no mm-hmm. uh, editorial oversight on what they write or what they don't write, and. One of our writers, Jen, wrote about the Cashbacks, excuse me, the Castbox announcing Livecast. Right. And it went into, you know, pulled information off their product pages and talked about this digital token they're going to have and this cryptocurrency and all the stuff that they announced on the page. But then I got an email from Castbox asking me to take the article down. Hmm. Interesting. I said, this, our service is in beta. We want it removed. And I'm like, well, you have a facing web page with automation. It doesn't look like it's in beta on our side. And why would we remove something that you have publicly put out there? And I don't know why they wanted this article pulled. But once again, the CastBox folks sometimes just don't quite get it when it comes to news and reporting and uh transparency and uh, again i hadn't even seen the article until she they emailed me and said hey can you take it down and ha we're looking forward to meet you at podcast movement and i'm like no i'm not taking it down your your site's public this mm-hmm. information's out. we're not the only one reporting on this right. so it was a little weird
1: yeah i mean if you want something to be um you know, private. Uh, it kind of helps to make keep it private. <laughs> mm-hmm. But once you, once you once you put it out there and make it publicly available, it's uh, it's a little hard to pull it back. <laughs> so
0: yeah. So this was all data that was on their website, and yes, you know, so I'm just like, all right, you're in beta testing. Okay, so what? And you know, it's going to be online. Then fine. But right. Yeah, you know, issue. I just I. I actually said in the email reply, you guys don't get it, do you? And you can't control the message once, once you put something out there.
1: Right. It's, it's the nature of the, of the internet, um, is how it, how it works. I don't know if there's a, there's a different perception of, of, you know it was probably okay for them to make it public, but it's not okay for anybody else to talk about it. I guess is yeah, what it comes down to. Was there a disconnect there in the perceptions of of how how things work? Um, I don't know you know
0: i I think so.
1: So what okay. did you think of what they were proposing? i mean i I thought it was it it felt a little confusing. It felt like maybe they were they were pushing the envelope a little bit too hard. On trying to do something different here, um, I don't know what you thought of just kind of what they were what they were up to.
0: Well, it, it goes. I have some concerns because it goes along with some of the commentary that they've been making publicly about their <coughs> about their app <laughs> and um, talking about um, how they have three million daily users and that they're the top. App and top listing app, and it's not true. You know, right. it's not true that they're they're number one. They don't even come close. Right. And um, so I, you know, it, it it goes back to this disconnect. They don't have. You know, they've got a great product, but they're a little bit disconnected from the rest of the community. And their messaging they're saying is surprising to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But as far as they're, it looks to me like they're trying to compete with the, the company used to work with trying to compete with Spreaker a little bit here. So, yeah.
1: um, Yeah. And offering, you know, you know, service like this for, for free is I, you know, I, you know, free is, you know, Todd, let's talk about this. I mean, free is kind of, I hate to say, but it's kind of a lazy way to try and build a business actually. (laughs) Is my my honest uh, reaction to that because it's um, free is not sustainable. I mean, I mean, just look at Anchor. I mean, Anchor is a classic example of free isn't sustainable. They wind up having to sell to a company that has big pockets, right, to keep it going. So um, that's that's you know you you really can't build a model on free and expect to have something that's um, that's going to be around you know, for long periods of time, like our, our companies have, uh, whether it be Spreaker or Lipson or, or Blueberry or raw voice. I mean, those companies have been around for 10 plus years because they built real business models, you know, that had value that exchanged for some sort of currency. And I guess, um, you know, free is, comes with a lot of, a lot of risk for the content creator.
0: But if you watch the interview with their CEO, Renee Wang, right. she was in Hong Kong. There's definitely, I, I question, you know, do they really get it? Are they another Chinese company that doesn't, you know, into maybe like this messaging, you know, right. maybe they're fully expecting the press to be compliant because they in, they're in China. Maybe that's what the press is. Maybe they're compliant in China. I don't know. But yeah, you know they've raised well, their, they, they've raised thirty million dollars to date. They say they're going to launch premium content in the next two years. She says the company will be profitable by the end of the year. How is how is how are they profitable? What are they making money on? And right. um, but they say the company the, co- the company has no Chinese users, which thought was an interesting disclosure. Um maybe they're try because you know with this crackdown in China of the yeah. app, so they're trying to avoid censorship over there, but you know, we've got Chinese users. But I'm right. not in a I'm not a Chinese company either.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think you have to be a Chinese company to have Chinese users, but No. But it, but it is a little probably a little more challenging to to get into that market. Um so and it does appear that China is kind of cracking down on various things. I had heard that they had they had um, excluded some um, audio apps from the the app stores in China for for mobile yeah. platforms. Um, so you know maybe that's a a sign of something that's changing as it as it relates to the freedom of spoken word content. Granted, they're... That's saying a lot. I don't know that there is freedom of spoken word content in China. So,
0: right. But, you know, they they continue to refer themselves as the Netflix of podcasting. At least that was the Bloomberg piece. So I, I just find it interesting, their approach. And <laughs> with 3 million daily users, they are not anywhere near, not even anywhere near, you know, I don't even think they're in the top 10 as far as usership. So, um, from stats wise, they're not.
1: Yeah, well, that whole s- phrase, the Netflix of podcasting, it kind of needs to go away, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> no, that's a fact.
1: I think people yeah. need to stop using that reference as a as a guidepost because um, I don't. For one thing, Netflix is already podcasting, so it, maybe it's not relevant anymore to use that reference. I think it has more to do with the business model of it. So, but.
0: Right. I did see that someone had uh, shut down Podmosphere, a company out of the UK. I think has pulled uh, the is plug. It d- uh,
1: Oh, yeah, that, that, that's right. Uh, it was an advertising play in the podcasting space. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah Podmosphere, yeah. a Swedish advertising platform, right. Right. is closing down. So uh, we didn't reach the goals we needed to reach. Need to keep the business going. So, I don't know how many people are actually using the service over there.
1: Um, my my assumption is that their numbers are... It's, I think that market is pretty tough for podcast advertising still. So... Yeah. That, I mean, Europe is still not booming with podcast advertising quite yet.
0: But they lasted, I see, February, March, April, May, June. They lasted six months, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, they launched in February, so you know, here today, gone tomorrow type of deal.
1: That's that's about how how long um, cash funding <laughs> will take you on a company.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably true too. Right. So,
1: right.
0: yeah. Unfortunately, anyway, so another was, company goes down. Was, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if they really got started, but because I didn't hear too much from them and or hear from them at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't know really. I I've never even heard of them before.
0: Yeah. So Rob, have you heard about these one-star reviews that have been going on out in the podcasting space?
1: Yeah, it's it's really kind of a kind of an odd thing that people are kind of you know fighting amongst each other or trying to take down other shows or give them bad bad reviews. But uh, but is it really really very important, Todd? What do you think?
0: Yeah. I, I, again, I. I was going to look it up, but I haven't done so in months. I was going to look and see how many one-star reviews we had as a show. But um, apparently there was a a show out there that was um, a true crimes uh, podcast. And they they received like 250 one-star reviews, which was assumed it was done by a bot. And someone paid for the bot. And there's suspicion on who paid for the bot. But yet, it does appear that Apple did remove those one-star reviews without commentary. So, really, the question then is, is is this just a harassment technique? Uh, Because I really don't think it's going to affect a show's listenership. I know some people really get freaked out about their reviews. uh, But I don't think people find podcasts because of podcast reviews
1: yeah it's not a very relevant um thing for ratings or anything like that. I don't even think it's it's calculated in apple's um judgment on you know ranking a podcast or anything like that. I think a lot of people think it is, but I'm not sure it really matters at all
0: well we we've had um <clears throat> five ratings and we're at four point two we're a four point two percent show oh and we've okay. had uh we've had uh four five star and one one star so somebody didn't like us
1: <laughs> there's always going to be one right that doesn't like you mm-hmm. <laughs> every every time but i guess that there is a person that's suspected in um in buying those those low reviews and it's uh it's somebody that's associated with another podcast so
0: well, not... i don't want to go into names but you know i i don't fully uh, it seems pretty petty to me. All
1: right, I don't know if it's a personal thing or if it's just a competitive thing. I've, it's hard to know here. but
0: Yeah, it, it, it is. But um, it is kind of curious um, that they would do this. But, All right. again, if you have, don't freak out, folks. If you have a, uh, um, you know, if you have a, Somebody comes in and gives you one star review. You know, look at that and take it on board. But there's always going to be a few haters out there, no matter what. Um, but I don't think it's going to affect your your audience listenership at all, to be quite frank, because yeah. it's not the way people discover podcasts.
1: Right, right, and you know, and it does kind of raise a raise another topic of uh, of podcast hosts and co hosts. Um, Getting in fights and feuds, and I think we've maybe mentioned this in the past too. But um, people don't always get along.
0: No, <laughs> and it can get very, it can get very nasty. Um, yes, it can. very, very, get very nasty. So yeah. uh, people have to be, uh, yeah, yeah. And when it does, sometimes the uh, podcast hosts are the ones that are in the middle. <laughs>
1: Right, I've been pulled into uh, feuds before too. personal attacks on podcasts and people wanting to to claim defamation of their character, you know that kind of stuff so
0: yeah. right and of but course you, i've I've been threatened to be sued a few times myself,
1: right. I think you do have to be a little careful because people can be a little a little litigious at times there There are people out there that are like that, mm-hmm. um, so you do need to. Be careful on how far you go uh, trashing anybody on your podcast. <laughs> Would be my recommendation.
0: So, what do you think about this announcement from Stitcher and Wondery about their expansion into the UK?
1: Well, I'm not surprised. You know that there's been examples of this in the past, and maybe this is this is a way those markets can can grow a little quicker is to have these companies um, start focusing on. Uh, these, these European markets more around content and getting some visibility and, 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 and growing, you know, it's, it's only going to help because, you know, I'm, I'm not always 100 percent sure that all these, um, overseas markets and countries are going to grow organically without, you know, some people coming into those markets that have some experience and some basis for creating content that maybe can be, um, produced there that maybe you listen to in, in other countries, not just in, in that country. So, and I think that's what you tend to, you tend to see with content that's produced in other countries around the world is that they, they tend to be local language. Um, and they tend to have a very small audience opportunity because they're done in the local language. Um, so, and I guess that is one of the, the, the issues really, I I guess is, you know, uh, English is the, the language of podcasting. And I guess um, if, if you look at it from a global perspective, and I hate to say that um, as a as kind of a negative thing for other co- countries' languages around the world, but um, it, it, there is some truth to it, and I'm just trying to be honest about it that the opportunity for local language content can be a little bit more limiting. Um, then, then, those countries producing English, um, content. Um, but there is certainly like Spanish, um, is a, is a language that has a, a large enough population base globally that, uh, I, I think has legs, um, at a much higher level. But once you get into like German and, or, or, you know, Danish or some of these smaller languages, the opportunity becomes a little smaller.
0: Yeah. Moving on to a little different topic here. Uh, Nielsen is trying to put their foot back in the door again in podcasting.
1: Yes, they and,
0: are. Uh, so they've <laughs> launched this uh, podcast listener buying power service. That's big words there. But, you know, I, I, I kind of chuckle about this a little bit because the headline of this was is, Podcasters need more data about their audience. And I'm like, we do. Um don't we know our audiences pretty well already?
1: Yeah, I think that Nielsen wants to find a place um, here, and some podcasting companies are are partnering with Nielsen to get cutting edge data, I guess, on what's going on uh, around the nexus of audiences and um, and brands and and product categories, and trying to map those. Those effectiveness relationships at a, at, at a deeper level, and I guess one of the, the the downsides that of the Nielsen stuff has been is that it, it's not uh, it hasn't been done at the uh, at the show level, right? It's been done kind of at a broader broader level, um, but then you get into this area of you know privacy and tapping into to too much granular data on on audiences and and you start walking you know a pretty tight rope um but but i know that the advertisers want um this data and that's what nielsen is trying to tap into
0: well i i read this and it says for the first time clients will be able to profile shows using program titles collected from our subscribers in order to connect specific type of listeners for right. particular advertisers and specific program level insights, right? Uh, okay, <laughs> um, right. So they're going to call someone and say, "Hey, have you listened to the new media show?" Is that what they're going to do?
1: I, it it appears that that's what they're trying to. That's that's been flagged to them as one of the, one of the weaknesses that they've had with their research is that it it, it hasn't been. Show level focused enough, Um, and I think this is this is a reaction to that.
0: Okay, so you're going to call some average Joe on the street and say, "Have you listened to the New Media Show?" And they're going like, "Get out of here!" You know, they're going like, "What's that?" Right? Yeah, right. Um,
1: so it's only going to cater to the shows that are really big,
0: right? It uses targeted questions on podcast listening with more than 12 podcast genres, over 2,000 retail slash plan-to-buy categories, and hundreds of advertisers with specific brands. Blah, 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 blah. These easy-use reports are drained from web-based software and have a two-time-per-year data release. So this is some of their same reporting that they've done in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not new. So I'm just. It sounds weird to me. I I, I don't know. Um, it. I wonder how much money they're spending to get data they probably already have on all the shows that are, um, you yeah. know, running in their in their stables. Because you know, the individual podcaster should be able to tell you the profile of their listeners because it's right. very simple to add.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, podcasters have been doing their own research of their audiences for for years, right? So, you know, they just put out a little survey, and people anonymously, you know, anonymously fill out the survey, and that gives them some some demographic information and maybe some a little bit of you know psychographic information, and that's what they use to to show to advertisers. Hmm. And it's kind of an opt-in thing too. So, it's it's not like you're you're stealing that information from your listeners somehow. The listeners are participating. So, which is better? Yeah. But it does look like a lot of the big names in podcasting on the advertising and um, networks I like I, you know, iHeart is involved in this Cumulus Media, you know, with Westwood One. Um large medias, you know, is mentioned in the press release as well. Cadence thirteen, mid roll. Um, all these folks that are big into the advertising and content creation sides are are involved.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh it's an interesting move and uh I don't think I'd have spent my money there to be honest with you. So Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I guess there's a place for it and there there appears to be participation from the, the medium. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to learn more about it myself. And I know a, a Nielsen is sending us information about this stuff. Um, I, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time with it yet, um, but maybe there's something to it, Todd. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I'll there is some, uh, yeah. Yeah. There is some rumors on iOS 13 though, that, there it appears that the podcast play app will be front and center right on the main home page of oh yeah right when you, so that is huge mm-hmm. um that's right there front and center um and this is on fresh installs that's where they drop it so that's that's big of course people can move that around quickly but maybe it'll add some more discovery
1: right yeah that, that's the this, hope anyway
0: is this a uh, reaction by Apple trying to to shore up their numbers a little bit?
1: It certainly could be. Um, you know, Spotify seems to be carving away um, at some of the market share out there. I'm not quite sure, Todd. Have you seen where Spotify is actually taking listeners, where they're <laughs> taking market share? Are they taking it away from the smaller apps that are out there, like the Stitchers and the Overcast, or are they they taking it from Apple?
0: I don't think they're taking any. Well, I think it's additive. I don't think we're oh really losing. All. I think so. I don't, I don't think we're losing. I haven't looked at it in depth, but it, you know, I don't. People are pretty loyal to their apps, so
1: yeah, that's true. That's a good um, point. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I guess we'll have to see, but uh, I'm not, I guess, Yeah. I guess we'll just have to see. I, do you have any insight over there? What, if it's anything slipping? I,
1: we have seen um, Apple's market share drop just a tiny bit, like a 10th of a percent. So I think it went from like a little over 60 to 59% um, Apple's market share. Um, yeah, I think so. we predicted
0: we predicted early in the year that Apple would be below fifty by the end of the year, but um,
1: I don't think that's going to
0: happen. Yeah, well, we we gave a timeline. We were mapping it out, and time will tell. Um, but if, but, you know, it's, it is it mean? Does it mean that there's more listeners, or does it mean people are shifting? That's that's right. the question.
1: Well, if it's shifting over to Spotify. Spotify is multi-platform, so you know there's listeners on Android and there's listeners on, on iOS for Spotify. But if, mm-hmm. if you're talking about a shift from Apple to Google, um, you know Google Podcast, that's 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 probably less well. That's probably less likely to happen, I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Time will tell on that. Right. Have we gotten the word? Is is Google going to shift and use the new categories that Apple's coming out with?
1: I have not heard that, Todd. That's a very good question.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, but you know, Google doesn't really focus too much on categorization anyway. So true. it's it's probably a little bit less of a concern on their part because they're they're, they're less uh, unless they they come out with a you know like their own first party app um, that that would have categories in it, which I suppose they could at some point
0: hmm
1: I'm sure yeah, that they would yes. probably, probably probably, support it at that point.
0: Yeah. But that's pure, we'll
1: pure speculation.
0: <laughs> right. Because I was trying to get an answer from some of the uh, team members over there, and it was crickets. I didn't get any response whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, they're trying to think of ways that they can they can get better with what they're doing. So, and I think that dropping the app on the home screen is certainly one of those areas that they've been able to improve.
0: Well, one makes for sure is that you know we're a couple of weeks away from the chaos because uh, the iOS 13 release is you know in a very near horizon and um, you know people are going to have to be remapping their... well, the Apple's saying they're going to remap automatically. And then podcasters will have to go in and make changes if they're not happy with that. But uh, that's right. forthcoming here very quickly now.
1: Yeah, I would think that the, this change is probably happening sooner than probably a lot of people realize. So, would be my speculation at this point. So,
0: well, it's, as soon as iOS 13 drops, it'll be in effect. So, right,
1: right. So, I'm not sure when that would be, but that would be probably late summer, something
0: like that. Yeah. yeah. If it's, you know, if, and if you look at previous year's uh, drop dates, they've all dropped within a couple of weeks of, uh, you know, of, of one another. If you look at iOS 12, um, it came out on September 17th. Right. And if you, go, if you go back and look at 11, 10, 9, so forth, they've all came right around that same that same window. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not that far off.
1: <coughs> no, that's true. Yeah. it's definitely definitely true. I also noticed that um, Voxness came out with uh, some some research as well um, on data on um, different categories of content um, hmm. that. Is basically when when people are actually listening um, to different different genres of content. So I thought it was a little bit interesting, but it also isn't necessarily surprising. So like the number one genre that is that is listed in the in this um, this blog post. If you go to blog.voxnest.com, you can see it, and it shows that with the our religion, the most popular. Time of the day for listening to a religious program would be 7 a.m. Mm. Uh, and then the second most popular window hours is uh, from 9 to 10 p.m.
0: For religious so, specific category. Now, so they broke this out by category, then, huh?
1: By by content category and in just in the U.S. Hmm. So. And I, you know it's probably a, a there's probably a little bit of a demographic mapping there involved in these slight differences, and it's like the sports here, which was um, also seven a.m. was the most popular hour for for listening to sports programs, and then uh, well, you know. five and then five p.m. is the is the second most popular hour.
0: Huh. So that
1: would be on the, that'd be on the commute, right?
0: Yeah. <coughs> One thing that I did was I knew that um, when I started doing my show, of course, doing it out of Hawaii, I had to have the show up um, by about 10 p.m. That would be uh, 4 a.m. Eastern mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure that I would be um, in the early days. People were still, you know, before the phone uh, you know, came into existence, people would still be syncing. At uh, 4, 5, and 6 a.m. And uh, I would be on there, um, have an updated show that that morning because their phone would still, again, when we were manually syncing with the cable. Um, mm-hmm. When I first came out, I wanted to make sure that the show was out to meet people's sync times. Now that's not really a. a um, you know, a necessary thing because, you know, the podcast app just grabbed the show immediately almost when the show's released, right. so no matter what time it comes out. So the, uh, for me, uh, I've always still wanted to have that show or the episode out in a morning time frame. Right.
1: Uh, so people can listen now. on their way to work or whatever. Right. Yeah. In their, yeah. in their morning, morning commute. I think 7am is a, makes a lot of sense because I think that's, that's when a lot of people leave their homes to drive to work to try and get to work by eight or eight yep. thirty or, or nine. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And then the five o'clock time uh, is when people oftentimes leave work to head home. So
0: yep. therein yeah, therein lies the two, you know, the, this theory of, you know, where people have said you should have a 20 minute show, 20 minute commute. Well, we know that that's not necessarily the case but because people listen to shows of all varying lengths. But it does right. show that people may drop off and then pick the show back up late in the afternoon.
1: Right. And so they could listen to the first half of the show or the first 25 minutes. I mean, if, if you look at the, the data, some of the most popular shows, most of the most popular shows are at least 50 minutes long. So you think mm-hmm. about 25-minute commute twice so people maybe listen to half of the program on the way to work and then the other half on the way home so um, that's certainly that's speculation on my part but it certainly the data kind of aligns with that
0: it's something I haven't looked at recently is we we track by hour um, for the first mm-hmm. uh, 10 days an episode is out we give the podcaster the breakdown on you know when the show is downloaded by hour so mm-hmm. i should look at go back and look at that but again that doesn't necessarily mean listen so how did voxnest get this listen data did they pull that from the website players or from an probably. app were,
1: yeah i would think it was pulled, <laughs> pulled off of their own platform their own listening platform yeah would be yeah. my my guess where this comes from plus so also a, you know i don't think that they're well you could probably calculate um, what the time of the day is when a download is initiated, you could probably get that data
0: oh yeah yeah we we've, we've got that data so you know we've right. also got this this partial data that usually shows when people's clicked and hit a streaming portion of it versus you know act like basically being subscribed so or actively playing I guess that's the better word set up streaming right
1: so, one other little little breakdown in this data that I thought was Kind of, kind of interesting was the the top genres, right? Um, in the U.S., the number one genre was religion. The number two one was culture, and the third one is sports. The fourth one is history, which I thought was interesting. The fifth one is news and uh, news and information. So that that encompasses a lot of different types of programs. But in Europe, the number one category based on you know. Spreaker anyway is business and the number two is culture number three is psychology number four is history and number five is education so it does kind of speak to how the culture is a little different between Europe and the US
0: yeah they got a star beside these I was going to look and see what the sub note was and I can't find it on the web page mm-hmm. um, hmm. <clears throat> yeah, uh-huh. I can't find the sub note that they they starred culture in both of those Europe and U.S. category listings. So, hmm. mm. yeah. Oh, wait, wait. It says because the category culture is pretty vague, I'm going to shed a bit of light on the types of podcasts found with this category, found within top five podcasts in U.S. culture category: Southern Fried, True Crime, True Murder. The most shocking killers in the same vein, two of the top five casts in the Europe uh, culture category are Crematorium and Those Conspiracy Guys. Okay, While okay. the category has a large scope of topics, it's clear to see the True Crime Podcast, no surprise here, makes up a second piece of the category and contributes to its popularity in both the US and Europe. Well, with this new category shakeout that we're about to see, uh, some of the stuff's going to move around.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, and it may get actually kind of cleaner and more clarified for for some of these genre categories, too. And, and, and we may see this top five list um, adjust accordingly.
0: <laughs> yeah, one would expect it to, I would think.
1: Yep, yep. It's like I have a hard time thinking that business is the number one category in Europe, but I guess if you think about it, you know, Um, maybe there's, there's more of a focus on the education side and business podcast is a little bit more on the education side. Culture is more of the entertainment side, right? Um, psychology is a a little more of a learning thing as well. And same with the history stuff, which I, I, I would say that Europe is very much focused on history is very important in, in the education category. Is certainly as strong from a cultural perspective in in, in Europe as well. So I think th- these are mirror reflections of of the priorities.
0: Yeah. So there should come as no shock, but um, you know, if we're done with this topic, I gotta I got a yeah. little bit of a laugh out of something. Feedburner. Oh my mm-hmm. God, uh, they're in the news. Has oh, posted really? uh, a short blog making the withdrawal of their quote unquote my brand service, and this is, was a way to run. Uh, Feedburner RSS feeds on your own domain. A lot of people did that in the early days, so I wonder how many people um, still are, have one of those uh, my brand uh, RSS feeds from Feedburner. And of course, the copyright assigned on that page is from 2008. Oh, <laughs> and really? Least, so a blog that Google closed in 2012. So <clears throat> um, it's kind of funny um, that that. Um, you know, it's being announced as a service that they're they're removing, because what it really was, folks, is you were able to have a subdomain um, map to uh, feed burner would be like rss dot your your domain dot com, and mm-hmm. that rss dot your domain dot com was tied to feed burner. So, in theory, and this is where theory is going to be uh, played out is that those folks that had that implemented are now going to have to um, find a new home for rss.yourdomain.com, whatever that feed address was, on Mm -hmm. their own sites. So it gives them a way to, you know, FeedBurner ever pulled the plug. It was a safety check to be able to recover your feed. So because they're plugged, now people are going to have to implement that safety feature
1: Right, interesting. Yeah, well, I'm sure that you can reproduce that um, probably in 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 WordPress, right, or PowerPress. You could probably do it there, or not.
0: Well, we found people that were using FeedBurner, a lot of people have moved moved to our service at PodcastMirror.com, and right. we use that. But we don't offer uh, offer custom domains, so oh, you that's don't. something. Okay. That yeah, it's on our to do list, but the demand hasn't been high enough.
1: sure sure sure. so uh, there's one other thing i saw um also um a a a chart of average ticket sales for podcast live events i don't know if you saw that or not
0: Um, (laughs) yeah i did yeah (laughs) those
1: those ticket prices are pretty high to go see a, a live podcast event you see that the most expensive one was for for my favorite Murder? It was hundred and seventeen dollars a ticket to see the well, live live on stage performance of that podcast.
0: If you're doing a venue, you have to charge a pretty decent price.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Huh. Yeah. Well, this is um it says the number of events that have sold based on podcasts has increased by over two thousand percent in the last six years. So, oh. yeah. So I think we found a, a another business model for podcasts. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and and Todd, we're starting to do more live live on stage events too with this show. So, yeah, but, but we're not getting paid for it. That's I was going to say. I'm not <laughs> sure that we could get 117 dollars a ticket for it though. I don't think we're funny if enough. You guys
0: want, if you guys <laughs> want to pay 117, dollars we'd be happy to take your cash. Right, right. Exactly.
1: So, so I thought that that was that was funny, but who knows, you know, we could all of a sudden become entertaining and funny on the show and and drive uh, huge revenue for us on. Live venues we can do it in front of you know eighty thousand people at some point
0: <laughs> right so anyway so anything else going on that you've seen uh not too much you know it's just we've been head down we've uh we weren't we we kind of um well we released our uh well, internally we call it tier one but it's our pre roll uh, ad injection we released that on um Wednesday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Thursday, we released it on Thursday and, um, our, um, we're going to, we, we, want a couple more weeks testing the mid roll post roll. Uh, it gets really, really complicated. As you can expect when you're building multiple bill, uh, multiple builds setting priority levels. Um, so we're just, we want a couple more weeks of beta testing with the code before we release the, uh, sure. um, the second part of the service, but the pre-roll stuff was ready to go, so we we pop that out, and it's available for all our pro customers for free. And um, then the uh, the second part of the service will come out uh, in a couple of weeks when we get done beta testing. That offers the uh, the mid-roll portion of the and post-roll version of the of the ad injection. So, but the pre-roll free service is available today for our pro customers.
1: Gotcha. Right. That's awesome. So you're getting, getting close to getting full, full dynamic ad insertion capabilities in your platform. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So it's, it's, you know, it's just a matter now of, uh, you know, making sure stuff rebuilds when you cancel a campaign and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we're just you know trying to run through all those different scenarios and mm-hmm. um, finding some bugs. So, you know, that's, that's you part. know, to be, to be expected of a, yeah, it's New part of the process, well.
1: right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so anything special um, that you're expecting from Podcast Movement coming up? Anything that you've heard? Any? Um,
0: heard? <laughs> I'm hearing that there's going to be significant attendance by the folks from Podcast One.
1: Yes, I have. I have heard that as well. Yes.
0: So Norm, ooh, that uh, Norm, struck me Norm, as
1: funny. Norm Pattis is going to be there.
0: He is. He is going
1: to be there, and so is Rob Cesternino uh, is going to be there too. It's been a it's hmm. been a few years since Rob has been to uh, Podcast Movement, so so
0: what does that uh, tell you?
1: Hmm. It just tells me that the event has reached a certain scale, and uh, Norm thinks that it's a it's a priority event for him and his company. Is what it means. Hmm
0: do you think they're shilling for shows because they've lost some shows or what do you think?
1: I just think that, you know, they want to maintain their, their, their brand and their place in the market. And that's one, one way to, to keep some visibility for them.
0: But are they, do they deal with any podcasters on the, you know, they're dealing mostly with celebrity shows. Are they?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that they're they're hosting that many more shows than they always have. You know, I think they've they're still in the two hundred range probably, but it cycles yeah. through pretty. You know, those shows cycle through the platform. So
0: yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, see uh, see him then. Hmm. Right. Right. And the so, message he's bringing. Yeah. So We're they have a you. they have a booth.
1: I don't know about that. I haven't seen whether or not they have a booth or not. But but I know Norm is going to be on stage with uh, Rob, um, doing a session. So so he's going to be which Rob you know,
0: uh, Rob's sister uh, Rob Rob's, Rob's?
1: Rob Sesternino, okay who who does the Rob Hazel podcast podcast
0: mm-hmm.
1: about you know Survivor and reality television that he's been doing for many years. He's a He's a many-time podcaster award winner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so we'll see.
1: <coughs> right.
0: Sorry. Right. If I'm coughing in everybody's ears here. <laughs> um, so
1: yeah, there's going to be a lot of big parties at the event. Uh, I hope to have um, uh, Dan Franks on the on the show at some point. So I, I don't know if we want to try and get him in um, to to record with us at some point. But that would be good
0: to do. Let's try to shoot for. I mean, look at the calendar here. Like,
1: like next week or something.
0: Uh, let's try the twenty seventh.
1: Okay. Twenty seventh.
0: All right. I'll be better. Hopefully, I'll be better equipped by then to to do that. So.
1: Oh. Okay. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell Dan that he's invited on the twenty seventh.
0: Yeah let see if we can get him on, and uh, that puts us two weeks out from the show. And he won't; his hair won't be so much on fire. Uh, <laughs> well, you fire. never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, so it will be right. Have you heard anything else on on podcast movement? Any rumors or?
1: I just think, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be well over three thousand people that are going to be crazy. there. Crazy. Yeah so it's going to be it's going to reach that that level where the event becomes a little bit unwieldy i think to see everybody and i think it it's it, it's been kind of getting that way for a while but it's not necessarily a negative thing it's just it's just the nature of the just the sheer scale of people
0: i mean people are you so guys going to have on going to have on the ground you're bringing eight yeah wow and
1: i heard that uh yeah, I heard that Spreaker's bringing eight too. Wow, we're only so, bringing
0: four. I wonder if I'm under uh, under numbering the number of people I need to bring. Wow, I'm bringing I eight. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah,
1: I believe it's eight. I think that's that's it's an lucky. accurate
0: number. Did you get hotel rooms for everybody?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm assuming so. They're staying somewhere. I know that they're yeah. not staying on my bed.
0: Right. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> right, honey. So Okay, Rob, so anyway, well
1: yeah. yeah. So we'll be back uh, next next week on on Saturday, I believe.
0: All right. Sounds good. I'll be in Hawaii and uh I'll have to have you host again. Maybe we can do video, maybe we can try some video next week or something, that dual screen thing we used before.
1: Well, I know that so. we can do we can do a dual screen on uh, and and record it on on Skype, but we, we we can also do it on one of these other platforms too if you want, and we
0: can just right. do it do it live. All right, so. we'll talk about that then this week then. Okay.
1: okay. Or 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 if you want to try, you know,
0: Squadcast.
1: I don't know if if you want to give those guys a try.
0: Yeah, we could. And anything is cool, as long as yeah. it works.
1: Right. I mean, I, I could right. uh, reach out to the Squadcast folks and see if they're willing to willing to do it for us. Because I know okay. at one point they they were wanting us to 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 do something with them. So.
0: All right. Sounds like a plan.
1: All righty, well, sir. All right,
0: every everyone. It's I'm Todd at blueberry dot com or at geek news on Twitter.
1: And I'm at uh, uh, at Rob Greenley. And that's with two E's um, on Twitter. And then I can also be reached uh, at my email address, Rob G at Lipson.com. If you want to reach out to me, I'm more than happy to to talk with you. So thanks.
0: All right. All right, Rob, thanks for hosting. And uh, everyone, thanks for being listening to our pre-recorded version of the new media show, not live. So uh, right. it's a normal podcast today. So. That's right.
1: Old yeah. Old fashioned. Right. Yes, okay.
0: old fashioned. <laughs> Everyone, okay. take care. We'll see you next time.
1: Okay, take care. Bye. Yeah.